This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. This show is brought to you by IndieWrestling.us. Check out IWC, RWA, and more. And listeners like you, support this show at patreon.com slash wrestlingmayhemshow. Hey guys, it's the Indie Mayhem Show. I'm Mike Sorgat, Sorgatron on the... I'm going to restart that. So I'm worried that we got cut off at the beginning. Hey guys, it's the Indie Mayhem Show. I'm Mike Sorgat, Sorgatron on the Twitter. And this is a show where we talk with people in and around independent professional wrestling. And uh, we got a very special guest here this week uh, with Black Diamond Wrestling. They got a show coming up. We'll get that in just a second. In the meantime, please check out everything with WrestlingMayhemShow.com and IndieWrestling.us. You can check both of those out for past episodes of the Indie Mayhem Show. And of course, you can subscribe to the Indie Mayhem Show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music Podcasts, as well as video versions on the Wrestling Mayhem Show YouTube and Facebook page and IndieWrestling.us Facebook page as well. And, of course, a lot of these are are uh, streaming these days on the IndieWrestling.us Twitch channel, along with a lot of other clips and full shows over there as well. So keep an eye out there. And however you like to get your independent professional wrestling, we try to be as many people, uh, as many people, yes, as, with as many people uh, as possible. And of course, drop us a line to good times at wrestlingmamshow.com. It works again. And you can let us know any questions of uh, some interviews that you know are coming up. Anybody you think we should talk to or any other comments you have on the show or 412-206-WMS0. So this week, I'm very excited to have our guests. Always fun when we get a wrestling promoter, a longtime wrestling promoter on with us as well. He uh, is a promoter for Black Diamond Wrestling. I know I've been bringing them a lot up here and there if you guys uh, check out on social media or on the shows uh, lately. But Rick Diamond joins us here in the studio. How are you doing this week, Rick? Doing very well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming in uh, all the way in here. Of course, you guys run up in, uh, uh, in, in West Virginia, just, I guess, south of Wheeling, right? If I got yes. my directions right. <laughs> From about three miles, five miles south of Wheeling. Um, so we like a little icebreaker here to get things uh, right off the bat. Uh, so uh, to get a little get-to-know-you question, um, what is your earliest memory of professional wrestling? I believe it was the Global Wrestling Federation. Whoa. That was my first live event. Okay. Uh, they were at the Wheeling Civic Center. This would have been approximately 1984. 485 and uh is that the same building that the, the nailers are yes, in it's now the same building that the nailers are in and uh the sergeant slaughter was taking on the iraqi sheik really yes and i had american flag i was 12 years old and back then i don't want to say the cheap seats but it was like eight dollar tickets Mm-hmm. If you weren't ringside, mm-hmm. but we were up. I mean, they drew fairly well, and I'm waving an American flag. And, and this arena, like SmackDown's been there. I think they've actually filmed the yes, SmackDown they've there. Done, well, there was a Raw originally done oh, there geez. years ago. Okay, so uh, I'm up. You know, the nosebleed section. Even though it's not nosebleed, it's West Banco. Yeah. And Sergeant Slaughter called me out of the crowd. So of course, you know, I'm trying to get down to the ring, and you know, my first ever live event. He gets me over the barrier, puts me in the ring, and, you know, this Iraqi sheik is, you know, just lambasting America and the American flag. And, you know, it's like, oh, this is this is cool, especially when you're 12 years old, you know, because mm-hmm. you want to get in the ring anyways. So, you know, Sergeant Slaughter thanked me and held the flag and gave it a kiss and everything. So I get out of the ring, and somebody at ringside, I don't know who it was, they were on with the company. Uh, they took the American flag. You know, like, wait a minute now. I brought this flag with me, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm not leaving it here. Well, the guy carried it around ringside during the match. Why there was not an American flag for a Sergeant Slaughter match, I don't know. But I was the only one that had taken it. From then on, I was hooked. Awesome. Um, and I watched it, you know, the old AWA on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad grew up in McKeesport and back when studio wrestling. <laughs> it's fake. We're not watching that. And I always tell the story. I'd tell my dad, well, what are we going to watch? Turn on Star Trek. 
okay, wait a minute, wrestling's <laughs> fake, but we're going to watch Star Trek. With the cardboard um, doors that people are moving. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and my dad just wasn't a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, that was my thing. So uh, when I did start my own promotion, um, he was my biggest supporter. And there was a lot of times they would call him Papa Hart, as if, you know, like uh, the Hart Foundation. And, I mean, he took no active role other than supporting me coming to the shows but that was that was my addiction that's where it what hooked me that's awesome so so you know was there was there were there any steps for you being involved with professional wrestling before becoming a promoter very few um anybody that's from wheeling the only thing we had in wheeling back then uh in the early 90s when i crossed over, I guess, into independent wrestling. Um, oh, when I was growing up, we had Crockett Promotions mm-hmm. and then WWF back then and uh, NWA well, then WCW. So, you know, there was no independence. It was just WWF and WCW at the Wheeling Civic Center. And either organization would come one time a year. You know, you'd see them two, three, four times a year in Pittsburgh and Columbus, Cleveland. Wheeling's just not a strong market. So uh, I was working at a store, an adult bookstore. That just seems to tie into wrestling (laughs) all the time. But I was working at an adult bookstore, and a couple of guys would come in every now and then, and we just talked wrestling. And uh, the guy said, well, you know, there's this place in Steubenville that'll train you. What do you mean? You know, the only thing I knew was WWF. Of course, you know, the AWA and ESPN and such. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, it's just a small place. So uh, I went up and got to talking to this guy. And he's like, well, let me show you a couple things here. And uh, I got a concussion the very first time I was in a ring. Oh, geez. So, you know, I went home and at the time my wife's like, this isn't something. No, this is something I have to do. I, <laughs> I have to do it. You got the bug at that point. Yeah. So the yeah. second time I went up and uh, was just learning the basics, and there was another guy with me, and he drops an elbow, which wasn't trained to drop an elbow. We was learning how to bump, and this guy decides to drop an elbow and crack my rib. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe this isn't. No, it is. And uh, the third time I went up, the building was boarded up. <laughs> There was nothing there. I mean, the building was literally boarded up as if it had been abandoned for years. Strike three. <laughs> so uh, me and this guy would come up with the idea of let's build a ring. So, uh, and I had taken drafting class in junior high and middle school. So I knew I could design it, you know, down to the measurements and how thick the steel needed to be and such. So uh, him and I had a set of ring poles, welded, built, fabricated. And uh, we had helped set up for another group that had a wooden ring. And uh, so we'll just build a ring. So we built this wooden ring. And uh, the trainer that was with this group in Steubenville at the time, Stormtrooper, um, name was Craig. He's passed away now. Um, he had heard we had a ring. So you know, in 96, 97, if you had a ring, guys just wanted ring time. Mm-hmm. So he drove down from East Palestine every weekend and uh, worked with us. And at the time, we had some school-aged guys, high school guys, that were backyard wrestlers. And uh, we gave them the opportunity to get in the ring. And he would come down and work with them. And So it was kind of you know making our own break. We ran for a couple of years. And, uh, my very first match that I ever got to work was for Aaron Lester. And uh, I think everybody in Pittsburgh knows who Aaron Lester is. You don't know for for Aaron... those that don't, because we, we have a wide audience. Okay. Aaron Lester uh, is a guy, I believe he was in media back then in the 90s. Um, from what I recall, it might have been like an over-the-air TV station or mm-hmm. an independent station. Um, and I... Uh, a guy had introduced, well, a guy had called us and said, hey, if you guys want to work a show, uh, Aaron Lester's running in uh, Washington, PA at the Pancake Roller Skating Rink. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah, we'll go that up there. That sounds like an amazing wrestling venue. <laughs> and uh, so we, yeah, and we had, we had shirts. 
Mm. You know, I mean, we had our own little group. Um, we were nobodies. You know, um, we weren't nothing to be, you know, bragging about. I mean, it was just our own little thing. And uh, so we went up and we worked that show. And from then on, it was just an addiction. Um, and I worked uh, for Mason Dixon Wrestling in Clarksburg area a few times. Um, worked for a guy in Huntington. Um, worked for Aaron Lester a few times. But it just, I don't know. I didn't have the interest of being in the ring mm -hmm. as much as I thought I would. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I'm a strong believer that there's a spot in professional wrestling for anybody that wants to get in doesn't matter whether you're you know, gifted in the ring or can talk on a mic you know, if you're blind i'm sure i can find a spot with you in black diamond yeah there's you have to love the business and that's the problem too many guys love the business but see it from the wrong point of view mm -hmm. so uh we ran a few shows and uh worked a few shows then i was like you know, I've done it. Now it's time to raise the kid, start the family, get the career. Mm -hmm. So I'd done that for three years, and I was like, no, the bug had bitten. And that's when I started Black Diamond, um, specifically at the time, so that Dash Bennett and Darren Smythe had a place in Wheeling to wrestle. Because they were wrestling at PWX at the time, and uh, Mason Dixon wrestling. So their friends and their families... You know, they weren't driving the hour and a half to McKeesport or to Clarksburg. I was like, okay, we'll build another ring. Because I had sold my ring uh, to Aaron Lester. So that ring you built yourself uh -huh. we was ran... good enough that you sold it to somebody. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it actually, it was a wooden ring. Mm -hmm. It had wooden rails, wooden cross beams, plywood, wow. carpet padding. We had steel cable ropes, though. Um so, and we ran, I mean, we had guys, if you recall, uh, guys like the Tri-Chi Fraternity, QB Blitz and Sam Hammer, I don't know if you remember those guys, uh, Crusher Hansen, size of Crusher Hansen and Beast Man, and these guys would do superplexes in this wooden ring. Never Jeez. had a problem. Uh, so, Wheeling has a problem with facilities. So, we found an old roller rink, and I believe... The ceilings were probably seven foot five, mm -hmm. eight foot five. I mean, you could jump and hit the ceiling. Mm -hmm. So we cut the ring down to where the beam set. So there was nothing under the ring structurally to hold it together, more or less. And it would just always tilt in, the poles would. And uh, that's kind of when I got to the point, I was like, no, this isn't working. Yeah. This isn't, to me, the vision of what professional wrestling should be. So, you know, we got done for the three years, and then I decided, okay, we'll put Black Diamond back. Well, launch Black Diamond. Mm -hmm. um, and I had made plans. Um, you know, we were building another ring. So I, you know, had new poles built and slowly got what I needed to build this other ring again. And uh, we had our very first show in June of 2003 at the Holiday Inn in Dallas Pike. Uh, and what's kind of odd in uh, February of 2003 was when I had my first massive heart attack. So everybody's, you know, Rick's done. No, I'm not. You know. This is 2003. 2003. And I believe, like, when I came to my first show in, when did I first meet you? January, maybe? February? Of, of this year? 2018, yes. Uh, yes. And, and January. I, and you had just had another heart attack. December 26th. Like everybody told me, it was like he just came back. From, well, you were you were in the ring talking about it in a yes. promo. Yes. It was over Christmas. Yes. And, that, and, 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 and in meanwhile, I met you as the person like showing me all of the stuff you built. Yes. And just built for that show. Yes. It just rolled out. And, and and everybody's like, yeah, he's had like his fourth heart attack. I'm like, yes. what? Um, and, and I didn't realize it went back to basically the beginning of the promotion. The, yeah. The, and at the very beginning, of course, you know, at the time we'd, like I said, Dash Bennett, Darren Smythe, mm -hmm. um, they were working PWX. So we had Jake Garrett, um, Scotty Gash, I believe, uh, worked the show, Potter, Steele. Kid Cupid, uh, Tri-Chi Fraternity. It was mostly PWX because that's where Dash Bennett and Darren Smythe were affiliated. 
So, of course, you know, we do this show, and my wife's like, oh, you can't lift nothing, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's like, you know, I know my limitations. And I was still working at the time, so it didn't bother me. And uh, anybody that knows me, I always joke around about the heart issue. Um, and my thing is, Jesus can't take me out. Nobody's going to take me out. I'm going to go when I'm ready to go. Um, the, the best one, not that a, having a heart attack is their best one. Mm -hmm. um, in 2013, 2014, I believe. Um, the very first year of the Buried Alive match that we done, I believe was 2014. Um, I was setting it up on a Thursday at the Eagles in Wheeling. And we, the Buried Alive uh, match consists of 400 pounds of dirt. So we had to get 400 pounds of dirt to the third floor of this building <laughs> by the bag full. So as I'm walking through Lowe's, I know what a heart attack feels like. So it's not indigestion. I have to get this dirt, you know. I'll go to the hospital after I get this dirt. So, and I didn't tell my wife that I was having chest pains. So it's a Thursday evening. I get these bags of dirt, 40-pound bags of dirt, load them in my vehicle, pickup truck. I get them to the Eagles. Now, I've got my nephew there, or my cousin, and my daughter. And uh, I carried up a couple of bags of dirt, and I'm sitting there, and I told my cousin, I said, you have to bring the dirt up. And I told my daughter, I said, I'm having a heart attack, so I've got to get to the emergency room. You should when dad says he's having a heart attack, they know dad's having a heart attack. Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, it's like a toothache anymore. You know, <laughs> when my dad had a heart attack, of course, my dad ended up passing away from heart ailments. My mother uh, was a little bit of that as well. My, I mean, it's just hereditary. It's bad. So, so for you, it's like, here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> uh, so we went to the emergency room and we go in and it never fails. I mean, I'm in my mid forties now, but I've had my very first when I was 30 years old. So for the past 16 years that I've had heart issues, um, when I go to the hospital, it's because I'm having a heart attack and it never fails. You're too young to have a heart attack, mm -hmm. you know? And at the time, you know, I've got seven stents. I'm not too young to have a heart attack. So, uh, like I said, it was a Thursday. I'm having the heart attack. We go to the emergency room. They do the all you know, clot busters and all the machines. And yes, you're in the midst of a massive heart attack. You know, get a hold of your family, call them in. Yeah, because I mean, there's you don't know. Yeah. So they go in up through the groin, angioplasty, place the stents, the whole nine yards. Back then, you had to lay twelve hours with a sandbag. You couldn't move. So Friday, my doctor comes in and says, you know you had a massive heart attack, done some damage to your heart. I said, okay. He said, we'll keep an eye on you for a few days and uh, I'll see where things are going. I was like, no, we've got a wrestling show Sunday. He said, well, there's, you know, we've got a, no. I'm leaving here either Saturday or Sunday morning. I have a wrestling show Sunday night. And uh, they let me out Sunday morning and I done the wrestling show that night. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I, it's just, you know, there are people, I mean, you've been around the wrestling business. Um, there are people that just don't like other people. And I've got my haters. I have my own vision of what I perceive even independent wrestling to be. And speaking of that, and actually you're getting a lot of fascination from the chat room. Uh, Tina out there in the West Coast is asking about how you pulled off a Buried Alive match. And, and I've seen the mechanism uh, from this last one you guys pulled off. Uh, because actually that was the show I went to first mm -hmm. was the Buried Alive one. January, yes. Uh, and I know I run into Jake Garrett at a lot of the shows here in the Pittsburgh area and he 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 always like he's always putting over what you guys are doing down there. Of course he's a booker there. Um and, and I got to see this and see like the the things that, that you get to make there. Um explain briefly how you guys pull off a buried live match at an indie show. Okay. Um as with the WWE's Buried Alive match. Mm -hmm. Nobody's actually buried alive. Um, you know, yes, they're under dirt. We, we will say that. Spoilers, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they are under dirt, and we've got 400 pounds of dirt. Um, 
when I come up with the idea, you know, nobody thought it would work mm-hmm. because I come up with a lot of ideas and sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. Um, but with the buried alive one, I had thought probably two and a half or three years, um, how I wanted this to work. And it is about a shade over eight foot wide and, um, eight, about 16 foot long. And, uh, it's a platform. It's an elevated platform that sets approximately 32 inches high. Um, and it's got artificial turf, doesn't have indoor outdoor carpet. So it actually appears as grass. Um, and you pile dirt up. I mean, we use a shovel and rake and wheelbarrow full of dirt. I mean, we set production wise, you know, you've got to have a set. Um, and how it works is just as it's designed to do. Uh, you put your opponent into the grave. Um, we actually build styrofoam um, headstones. And there's a there's a shot of it from the re- most recent Buried Alive. It's a little dark on that picture, but I think you can make it out for the most part if you guys are on video with us. Uh, yeah, so when the guy goes in, um, and, and if you look at it, uh, it's a hole. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's It's wrapped so that, you know... Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> um, when the guy goes in, uh, without giving away the secrets, um, he's no longer under there when he's buried. We'll, uh, we'll give uh, that perspective of safety-wise. Um, he's no longer under there. You know, and of course, you know we've had fans, especially the young kids, um, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds that. Uh, are worried about the guy. You've got to, you've got to unbury him. I mean, you can't leave him under the dirt. So you know, for the safety aspect of it, you know, there is nobody actually, you know, covered in dirt. Um, and the other thing that always fascinates me again, I, you know, Black Diamond is something I've heard from people a bit on the show for much of the twelve years of of the Wrestling Mayhem show. And and I was really amazed, and, and I, I kept hearing about these things, and, and and again, Jake kind of putting it over and everything, like like how much you guys build for that presentation. Uh, when I was there, I think he would just upgrade some stuff with the uh, the screens, and we'll throw an image up there for you guys on video too of what the venue looks like. I think this is a picture from uh, the January show as well with the buried alive. I mean, you're using uh, projectors and doing like a multi projector layout, even covering up. Like the the dreaded basketball hoop that I always hate when I'm doing production around a wrestling show in a gymnasium, um, and really kind of taking advantage of everything that's going on there. Yeah, this uh, was this the January show. I think this is the same January show. Okay. Yeah. The um yeah that's well the the setup is no longer like that um, <laughs> because it's all you're always adapting it. Yes. Too. Well, I I battle severe depression due to the heart issue. Um, so I have to keep myself occupied and my thing to keep myself occupied is I have to keep my interest up in wrestling. I get bored, um, very quick with, um, not matches. It's just, I get bored when it comes to the wrestling aspect. And a lot of guys that know me, um, understand that you know rick battles depression so um to keep myself occupied i design things i come up with ideas um so when we got this i mean in 2003 when we started um we used a projection screen and you know back then it was Nobody was using the projection screen in 2003, especially on the independent level. And, uh, you know, I looked at things and, well, let's, okay, let's change how we do things. And um, back then we had an entranceway that was you know, two sheets of plywood um, that had braces behind them and you'd come out through the middle 
and we cut holes in the plywood and we'd stack up a couple of tables and put uh 27 inch tvs into these holes you know you're small scale you're in a vfw you know and you're using 27 inch tvs but i mean with the time we had a guy that was like making videos this was the early 2000s it kind of worked but it was a pain in the ass to haul and set up and so then we had the uh, projection screen and you know we actually done we'd hang a screen and you know slowly progress there um years ago we done a show and nobody you know can see why rick does what he does um and i've had workers actually ask me is it worth all this to me it is um and the reason it is is because years ago we done a show and uh I mean, we had guys, uh, Corey Graves, when he was Sterling, work for us. Um, you know, guys from Pittsburgh that were just phenomenal athletes, and I'll take nothing away from them. But I recall this six-year-old, seven-year-old boy telling his dad as they left, this wasn't real wrestling, you know. And for me... You know, to see Sterling James back then, that was mm -hmm. wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm trying to think some of the other guys. Uh, you know, Potter was a ref back then. Um, but these guys, I mean, they were wrestlers. But this little boy told his dad this wasn't real wrestling. And I remember his dad asking him why. And he said, because they didn't have all the pretty lights. And that's always resonated with me that it doesn't matter what's going on in the ring and it doesn't matter who's in the ring. If you don't have the production that wrestling is known for, it doesn't matter. And I mean, not taking away anything from places that don't have the production value that I see us as having. Um, it's different. It's different everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's always, you know, Looked down on Black Diamond. Um, they were the hillbillies down there that didn't know anything. So, uh, this is the same people that when I saw Samoa Joe take on Ray Rowe in, I don't know, maybe 2008 or 9. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember distinctively that one person in, like, the third row I heard as I'm ringside with the camera saying, oh, man, Samoa Joe must not be doing good because he's here. Yeah. Like that. And that was, you know, IWC, which has been seen yes. as one of the better yes. ones in the in, in, and, in the area. And that's what gets me, yeah. you know, over the past. And I, I don't, I've never inflated numbers. Mm -hmm. If we have 25 people, I'll tell you we have 25 people. You have. I've seen yeah. it on Facebook. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. if we have 105 people, I'll tell you we have 105 people. Yeah, yeah. And for people to say, you know, it's always, well, Rick's got a wooden entrance. Okay. Who cares? It looks great. Yes. You know, <laughs> Rick's got wooden. It's, it's, it's I, I came back and I told him, this is like, like, I wish I had a better way to state it, but but it is like the best bit of redneck ingenuity and in professional wrestling yes. that I've seen. And I've seen, you know, Ring of Honor set up. I've seen other promotions yes. set up that have a little bit of money, you know, on the independents, you know. And, and you know, I've seen the setup at the arena, you mm -hmm. know, that Ring of Honor and Chikara were using. Um, and And I'm still more impressed about what gets pulled off in wheeling small scale well, with yours because if you didn't throw a bunch of money at the problem you engineered the problem yes. and that impresses me as yes. a builder uh, actually i you know and we had always had you know like our light towers um they're called glow totems you can look them up online at the time they were running about 5.99 a piece you can see them in the background on the video that i'm playing right now um now, granted, the ones that you buy professionally, they are an aluminum frame mm -hmm. and a nylon sock, and they've got a big LED light. Um, so I come up with the idea of, okay, I'm going to build my own. And I ripped down some two-by-fours into like a two-by-two two and took some bed sheets, stapled them to it, put an LED light that's you know, 16 million colors with a little remote, and created my own glow totem. And uh, we had six of them for under the cost of one Plus, professionally made. But you also don't move them. 
as no. much. So you don't but, need the durability. Yes, but they are portable, though. We were taking them every show we done. We would have a big, you know. Our traveling setup, our traveling entrance was 12 foot tall and 80 foot wide at the time and to grow this so, you, so you, a little bit of a wider scope of what you guys do uh he sent me pictures all the time i know you did a projector under the ring to kind of give that effect like what happens with the lcd screens these days yes we and do I, three sides of the ring have projectors um which we've used them several times and uh, you know sponsors love it mm -hmm. because you're not missing that during the matches. And I try not to flash it during matches because I don't want to take away from what's going on in the ring. Um, but it's just, you know, looking at what is done and being able to do it on a smaller scale. You had a pretty fascinating uh, light ring. Here's some pictures you were sending me here. I, I love when I get to this look what I made this time. Yes. Stuff from you. Uh, this is great. This is awesome. Uh, so, uh, and that's, uh, you know, other than what's, again, what you're, you're creating, even though you don't walk in, it's not the same as walking into a raw at the arena. Mm -hmm. Like you still have a lot of that. Um, it's, it's the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the atmosphere. It doesn't feel like it's just some old gymnasium, mm -hmm. which it is right. Yeah. Which it, let's be honest. That's where most of these are. Even if they do look good, I mean, yeah. ring of water still runs out of some of those places. Right. Yes. But it doesn't look like it on television and, and you're able to cover it up with things like this. So yes. um, let's talk a little bit real quick here. Uh, we're running low on time here. You got, it's 15 years. Uh, Bradley's in the chat room and he's asking, uh, uh, give us a, give us like two of your favorite moments from your 15 years of black diamond wrestling. Two of my favorite moments. <laughs> Um, one of them would be we ran a Martin's Ferry. Wait, I gotta hold on. Okay. Billy points out you guys have pyro, pyro and WWE doesn't. Uh, you guys do have. <laughs> yes, we, it's like independent promotions got all the pyro WWE had on fire sale. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, it's small scale pyro, it is, but it's it is. still you know. I mean, it's two like flame towers, and that's, that's yes. Well, we enough. have we have artificial fire too. Oh yeah. Yes, we have LED fire that's not real <laughs> oh, fire. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen yes, that one because you know Rick can't afford real fire. Um, okay. You we also know. can't afford the building being burnt down. That's so. right. I'm you know we're running a place with nine foot ceilings and you want to shoot thirteen foot <laughs> yeah, flames. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Math, that's a great white situation there. Yeah. But well, anyways, with, with the wooden entrance though, we've got to watch. <laughs> would have caught it on fire uh, uh, in the bed sheet screens. I love to, that. Back to the moments. Back though. to yes. Um, most memorable moment actually it's there's there's several one uh was years ago we ran in this little rundown gymnasium and uh jimmy demarco was the diamond oh. division champion and just, uh, just ran the jimmy out here the other day again he um took a girl's camera and smashed it off the wall and the place went livid over this camera um you know, if you know the business, we're just going to leave it at that. But it was just, there was two at that building that time and the time that uh, Bulldozer uh, made his debut in a casket match and uh, laid in a wooden casket for about 28 minutes. I think you might have talked about that. Yes. This would be Beastman. Yes, uh, it would be Beastman, but he made ago. his debut as Bulldozer. And uh, he's laying in this casket with the lid closed it's a plywood box with padding and i mean it had like the the um uh silk overhang i mean i made it look more like a casket and at the time uh, uh chris maverick was playing a druid and i had to get somebody to get past chris you know you can't tell it's chris and tell him fan the lid of the casket you know Beastman's laying in this casket so you know we had people walk past to tell chris you know, fan the lid he needs air you know subtly so he's you know lifting the lid so that was two times uh the other time was probably two times at this uh other building with gambino brothers um is this the martin's fan martin's ferry because oh, yes. uh matt is in the chat room asking about this yes uh gambino brothers awesome team we had fun with them and the lady that ran the facility at the time was uh, an obese woman and well she was fat but she didn't have a problem being called fat and, evidently and i'm and i'm laughing because i just kind of i think i know where this goes <laughs> um 
and they were using chairs. Now, we didn't damage chairs. And, I mean, there was a pile of chairs. There had to have been 25 or 30 chairs. I mean, they're just throwing chairs in the ring. And this woman just went off. And I can't recall what she said to Marshall Gambino. But I'm almost sure Marshall called her a fat bitch. And she didn't get offended by being called fat. We'll leave it at that. So, um... She goes downstairs, and that's where her little office was. And, I mean, she's livid. So we've done our show. I mean, there was nothing damaged. The building's not damaged. The fans enjoyed it. We're tearing down, and she says, we're done. We can't have wrestling there anymore. It's like, well, what's the problem? You can't have them guys. They want to call me a bitch. Well, so I knew she didn't have a problem being fat. So I went, and I met with the board, and, you know, she wanted to dictate what we done on wrestling shows. Well, you know, you're the director of a gymnasium and a swimming pool. You don't know professional wrestling and what wrestling fans want. But, okay, what do we have to do to run here? Um, you can't have the Gambinos. She didn't like them. So I was like, okay. So we kept running there. Um, she wouldn't let anybody that attended the wrestling shows talk about the wrestling shows outside of wrestling shows. So during swimming... My nieces, nephews, fans that attended couldn't tell their friends about the wrestling. Um, she wouldn't let us sell tickets at any time other than at the wrestling show. So it just kind of become a problem. And uh, we knew we were on our way out. Um, so we brought the Gambino brothers in. Uh, and they had to walk past our office to get in this building. So they come in with masks on. And uh, they're in the locker room, and nobody knew they were there. Um, so during, I don't, I don't believe it was the main event. I uh, know it was you know, during the show. Uh, they come out and took their masks off. Now she was downstairs in her office. There's video cameras monitoring the gym, and uh, her children went down, you know, and they're hollering. The Gambino brothers are here. The Gambino brothers are here. Mom, mom, the Gambinos are here. So, like, like there's an outlaw just came into town. Yes. So rather than her come up, uh, my cousin and his daughter and his wife, they're downstairs. It's near the end of the show. And she starts telling them, wrestling's done. I was no good. Blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. So my cousin's daughter come up and she's like, Rick, Rick. She's down there saying there's no more wrestling because of Gambinos. And she was like, okay. So I let them do their thing. It wasn't, got hurt. I mean, people loved it. So then I got up in the ring and let everybody know, hey, see that camera in the corner? Wave. She's downstairs and we're not going to be allowed to come back. And she doesn't like the Gambinos and she doesn't care about the fans. And so uh, we were out of there for a while. We ended up going back after she left. Um, we ran a few times and we left it and went back again. It was just the market dried up and... To hear my haters, it's because Black Diamond Wrestling doesn't draw, but yet I couldn't understand their reasoning when you've got guys like, at the time, Chris Taylor, Chris LaRusso, Ryan Mitchell, um, you know, Tri-Chi Fraternity, Justin Idol, the Gambinos, you know, and then recently... Jack Pollock, Matt Connard, System Elite, Brandon Kay a few times, Andrew Palace. All these guys that are working Pittsburgh. IWC draws. Mm -hmm. PWX draws. You know, RWA draws. So we're using the same guys in West Virginia and aren't drawing, but yet it's because Rick's guys suck. Okay, I don't understand how Rick's guys suck when they're in Pittsburgh and they're drawing. It's mm -hmm. just market. It's, it's a different, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it definitely, it definitely, yeah, depends on the, you know, you, we were talking about a little bit like, you know, you're looking at the town and like, where, where would you even promote at? Yeah. Right. If there's nothing open in it. That's town, it. Right. Yeah. So, and we've got limited and, facilities. And this is a problem. It's a, it's a depressed town, right? Oh, yes. Um, so you go, you go to a place like that and, and, and it takes a little extra bit to bring, uh, 
you know, a crowd from a town that doesn't have money to begin with. Mm-hmm. So to do that extra. Well, stuff. we've got WWE hasn't been to Wheeling in two years. They'll be there July 14th. Yeah, I'll give them the plug. Mm-hmm. Um, they cannot sell out 5,500 seats at West Bank Arena. Right. With Now, granted, everybody says, well, WWE sucks and this and that. It's a house show. You know, SmackDown doesn't do that great globally. Um, so just for the sake of speaking, when, you know, uh, AJ Styles won't be there, which he was there for Ring of Honor and they struggled to get 500, 600 people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, John Cena, uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, these guys are not going to sell out West Bank Arena for yeah. 5,500 people. Yeah. But yet they'll come to Pittsburgh the, the, and draw the same people that had headline and bring eighty thousand to yes. to Dallas, right? So it's not you know there's a lot of more math that goes into yes. it, and it's always it's always about cracking that code in your town. It seems yes, right to the, yeah. the, the bump that up or or what is realistic for your area. Too. That's it. So, so you know when we run at a building that you know we get twenty seven people. Mm-hmm. and they're all on one side of the ring. <laughs> it's not because we want them all on one side of the ring for the camera. It's because the building will only allow us to put them <laughs> on one side of the ring because it's a small building. So you've, you seen, you've seen the ups and downs. you got the 15th anniversary show coming up here. Tell us what's going on. I see there's a lot of names on this one, a lot of familiar oh, faces. Yeah, I mean, if you're familiar with Black Diamond, we don't – not that we don't book legends and names. Financially, you can't book legends and names. Um, but with us having this new building and having some time to build up to it, the last few years we've struggled with having a stable facility. So, uh, once we built this and we've got a pretty good following, um, I had talked to DJ Z, um, I talk to him quite often about trying to get him in. He's a um, local guy down there. Well, most people don't know his very first match was in Wheeling when he was mm-hmm. 15. So, And it was with Black Diamond. So I uh, got a hold of him, and yeah, I'd love to. Things didn't line up. This time it did. Um, and then I'd known Shane Douglas for years. I've talked to him. We call each other occasionally. Um, and I thought, okay, you know. 15 years is an accomplishment for us um, and independent wrestling. I think it's accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, we got DJ Z, which is current Um, Shane Douglas, which is, you know, a little bit of a legend. Um, And I thought, okay, those two will be fine. Um, And then Chris LaRusso, which he's got his ring of honor tie. So I thought, okay, that gives us TNA ring of honor and, to an extent, WCW, ECW. Um, nobody really tries to put Dean Douglas into the WWF category. <laughs> so I thought, okay, that would kind of work. And uh, we've had Big Bully Busick in the past, who had just passed away. Mm-hmm. He was coming in on the anniversary show. So we had you know, WWF, WWE, ECW, TNA, Ring of Honor, and uh, Billy Johnson. Uh, has come to a lot of shows, and Billy's a fan of professional wrestling. Um, there's not enough Billy Johnsons in the world that just enjoy professional wrestling for the art form of professional wrestling. And uh, so he had come to a couple shows, and he was like, "You got your anniversary show. I know a guy that'll come in if you don't have a problem." I was like, "You know, budget wise, we've got to figure out where we're going with things and how to take care of things." and he was like, okay. He says, you know, I think we can work with him. And, you know, what if Colin Delaney comes in? I can get a hold of him. It's like, okay, great. You know, so Colin Delaney's coming in. And uh, so once we started putting the matches together, um, then other guys was like, wait a minute, you know, I want to get in on this. You know, which they're guys that we've used in the past. So we've got a six-way match uh, with DJ Z, um, Jason Gorey, which – he started with Black Diamond years ago when he was training at IWC. Um, Andrew Palace, Lee Moriarty, uh, Facade, and Sean Phoenix. So, you know, and it was going to be, at first it was going to be a singles match. Then we went to a three-way. Then we went to a four-way. So we've slowly built it, the interest up to this six-way high-stakes match for the anniversary show. And uh, so we've got uh, that 
you know, that's worth the price of admission. Yeah. Ten bucks for a bleacher seat, twelve dollars a day of the show. There's no reason why anybody wouldn't pay twelve dollars to see that match alone. Absolutely. Uh, so then we've got Colin Delaney and Chris Larusso. Uh, they were just on Ring of Honor television, so we've got that match. Uh, Nathan Allridge. Um, if anybody's not met Nathan or seen Nathan work, uh, Nathan is a true Southern wrestler. Um, he is going to face Shane Douglas. Um, and that was built up. Nathan's calling himself, you know, the franchise player of Black Diamond, just to build that little angle with, okay, the franchise. Um, we've got Beast Man taking on Gavin Jacobs for the championship. Uh, sexy, talented dudes, Chest Flexer and Billy Ruxman. A show favorite. With a mystery third partner, a mystery third STD, so... I mean, you can get a couple of STDs. It's that mystery third one that you've got it's to get. It's the mystery one you can't get the medication yes. for, yeah. Um, and they're going to take on MTO, which is Dan Sandwich, Destin Vane, Ronnie Starks, and uh, Nick Mira just returned after several years of not being with Black Diamond. And that's a championship match. Um, Jake Garrett is actually wrestling. Uh, Jack Pollock. So, you know, that's worth 12 bucks just to see those two. Uh, Matt Connard and Remy LeVay are going to take on uh, Keith Hott and Tony Johnson, the Bearcat and the Iceman. Um, you know, phenomenal workers. Mm -hmm. you know, so to be on the 15th anniversary show you know, is really worth attending. Uh, we've got uh, Zach Hunter and Harley T. Morris. Um, two guys that are new to the business, have not been around an ultra long time. And then we've got uh, Calvin Couture and Robert Parker. Um, they're going to work a tag team match against a mystery tag team. It's the anniversary. You've got to have little surprises. Yeah, some surprises. It's good. So, and, and Billy also points out he's uh, also doing a drawing for a one-of-a-kind prize for anyone who buys a ticket. Only way to get it is to buy a ticket to the show. So... So a lot of fun yes. stuff there. Where it, can people find uh, information and get to get, get their tickets? Blackdiamonduniverse.com. Um, ringside is sold out. However, we are, you know, it's not WWE and, you know, ringside seats became available. Um, <laughs> we've got room for ringside chairs. We yes. just have no chairs. So <laughs> we're trying to uh, get some chairs before Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that we can add more ringside. Not, there's plenty of room. I mean, there's, there's, there's oh, yeah. bleachers. Yeah, but, we were uh, looking. Uh, right now, we've got, um, I believe, just a shade under 100 ringside chairs. Nice. Um, which we would have more. But if, as you saw when you were there in January, we have a sofa alongside the <laughs> entrance ramp. Which I love this. Now we have a sofa on each side of the entrance ramp. Nice. And that's the best seat in the house. One of our sponsors is a furniture company. Mm -hmm. um, they donated two sofas. So you buy a ticket for a buck. The odds of winning, or depending on how many buy, you pull the number. If you win, you get to sit in the comfort of home at a professional wrestling show. <laughs> so uh, we were looking there today. Um, we can probably get another, another 100 chairs ringside if we could come up with them. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I think we've got it figured out. We can get almost 300 in the stands. Thanks. So we could get between five and 600 people. It would be tight at five or 600 people because it's not a regulation gym. The school was built in 1901 and you know, people were shorter then. So gyms weren't as long or wide, <laughs> but, uh, you know, anybody that's a history buff come down just to go in the building that Charlie Manson went to school in. Ooh, so, why isn't that yeah. on the poster? That, I mean, especially with the... <laughs> because when you live down there, oh, Charlie's not, not a, a popular thing. person. Oh, so you need to, you need to geolocate that to the outside yes. of and get the Pittsburgh people down there. Because yes. I know a lot of people will probably be uh, down with that. Be yeah. sure. now, oh, I mean, granted, I'm going to share the poster with that yeah. now. You don't have <laughs> access to the entire building. I mean, no. we've just got the gymnasium, the bathroom and yeah. such. But, you know... 
to just be in the gymnasium that Charlie Manson But I'm saying revenue in. opportunities yes. here. I'm just saying I know some people that could partner with you on Hey, that. maybe I print my own shirts, you know that? So maybe I could do a Charlie was here shirt <laughs> with a diamond. That might There you go. Hey, it's a marketing there opportunity. You go. All right. Vinyl stickers even. Hey, now Check we're it out. Got Black Diamond Wrestling. And of course, if you're not, if you catch this later, uh beyond the fifteenth anniversary show, you guys run monthly out there, right? Yes, first Sunday of the month. First Sunday of the month. Go check Barring it out. A holiday or a WWE pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to compete with those. Um, you guys, uh, and of course, we, we, we had the opportunity to go down and film for IndieWrestling.us. Um, the matches from the Royal 8 tournament, the uh, the Haas tournament, where yes. very, the, was a lot of fun, is available on the IndieWrestling.us uh, Facebook and YouTube page and the Twitch channel as well. So you can see uh, exactly what these guys are doing down there and see uh, what kind of quality this show is. And it was a lot of fun to come down there and do that. I'm looking forward to see uh, what comes of the anniversary show as well. At the 15th anniversary show, really quick, the Shane Douglas-Nathan Allridge match is for the Quality Rentals Internet Television Championship. <laughs> it was a sponsored title. I'm not going to turn it down. Yeah. That will be live streamed um, either on the Black Diamond Wrestling, Black Diamond Universe Facebook page or the Rick Diamond page. I haven't decided which one we're going to do it under yet. <laughs> The day of the show, it'll be streamed live. Nice, nice, nice. So keep an eye out for that. Definitely something to look for. Thank you so much, Rick, for joining us here. It's it's been awesome to to get to know you over the last couple months and see what you guys are doing down there. Thank you for having me. All right. And, of course, check out them and check out everything else going on with a lot of our friends over at IndieWrestling.us. And and please hit us up at the email address at GoodTimesAtWrestlingMayhemShow.com or at MayhemShow on Twitter. And let us know anybody you think we should be chatting with, not just around the Pittsburgh and uh, West Virginia and Greater Cleveland or, you know, Greater Tri-State-ish area. Uh, but we can talk to people from all over the place and check out past interviews for the Indie Mayhem Show uh, over at WrestlingMayhemShow.com and IndieWrestling.us. Uh, thank you, everybody, for a hot chat room here on a Tuesday night before we get to Wrestling Mayhem Show. And uh, until next time, please support Indie Wrestling. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.